raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio is going to take it for a touchdown. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Barth. Good gosh, dirty! This is the Heel Tough Blog Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And tonight, once again, joined by Zach Hubbard, our recruiting analyst, as we have to break down two commitments from the last few days for Tar Heel football. And uh, it was a pretty exciting week, uh, weekend, no doubt about it. Carolina, you know, a, a relatively quiet weekend in terms of official visits. Uh, most of the official visits were done earlier in the week. They did have uh, an offensive tackle, four-star offensive tackle from the state of Alabama, Stanton Rammel, who was on campus. Of course, uh, he did go to Thompson High School in Alabaster, Alabama. That should sound familiar. He was the uh, former offensive tackle for uh, now Tar Heel quarterback Connor Harold. So he visited. You had DJ Geth and uh, Marky Anderson, uh, two prospects out of the state of South Carolina. Anderson, the four-star interior offensive line product. Uh, you had Geth, the three-star, uh, both guys out of Dorman High School in Roebuck, South Carolina. They took their visits midweek as well. So Carolina was pretty much done with their official visits by Saturday night. 
State. Um, and, you know, it sort of allowed them to sort of turn their focus and prepare for what are going to be two huge weekends coming up to close out the uh, official visit window here in the summer. But Carolina also was focused on two commitments that they land. And the first guy that we're going to talk about, Zach, is a guy that Carolina, you know, had been on here for a little while out of the state of Georgia, three-star cornerback Caleb Cost. Uh, They get him out of Sandy Creek High School in Tyrone, Georgia. And this is a very intriguing one because not only is this a get for Mac Brown and the Tar Heels on the football side of things, but this is also a get for Scott Forbes and the Tar Heel baseball team as well. That uh, a little bit of good news for them after uh, what was unfortunately a rough weekend with the Super Regional. But just from you know the football side of things, when you look at Caleb Cost, you know what do you think Carolina is getting in a guy that uh, Carolina frankly needed at a position of need? Yeah, absolutely. When you look sort of at Caleb, you have to begin with the measurables. Listed at five to and a half, 180 pounds, uh, listed as a cornerback specifically. I think he's a guy that can he can play outside corner, but he probably projects best as a nickel, which will allow some of the other guys to move outside. Uh, you turn on the film, you really see a guy that is uh, a guy that's making plays in space, even, you know, uh, pass breakups and interceptions in space as opposed to exclusively on the outside one-on-one with a wide receiver. He's jumping routes. He's getting tacklers in the flat and the backfield. Uh, you look at a lot of his film, it looks like um, it looks like nickel corner, nickel safety, whatever um, you know designation you want to put on that. It looks like nickel or um, some may say star a defensive back film. So I think he fits in nice there. Um, like you mentioned, he is a, a baseball player as well. Will be a member of the baseball team there. So uh, that was certainly a key component in his recruitment. Did want to be able to play both sports at the college level. Um, he will be a guy that uh, will get some looks in the MLB draft. I know that that's at least been discussed. It, it's not really a huge concern for either Mac Brown and the Tar Heel football team or the baseball team, but it is certainly something to keep in mind there. But uh, like you mentioned, this is a position, uh, the defensive backfield is a position where uh, the Tar Heels are hoping to add some more bodies that they're seeing some of their recruiting success over the past few years grow up. They see some of these guys becoming older and uh, they're going to need to have depth. They're going to need replacements as time goes on. So um, I think that this is the first in what should be uh, a multi-member defensive back class for the Tar Heels and certainly a very good one out of the state of Georgia. One more note there uh, in terms of his recruitment. Primary recruiter there, new defensive back coach Charlton Warren. So, you know, Charlton Warren already seeing his impact being felt on the recruiting trail, not only for defensive backs, but in the states of Georgia and Florida. Yeah, and and that's to be expected, uh, you know, that he would be the guy that would sort of head man that up. We knew that that was probably the reason that you were seeing more of a push in the states of Georgia and Florida. And, uh, you know, look, Carolina's had their recruiting footprint contain Georgia, especially the Atlanta area, for a while. But it's no secret that this class, there is a much more concentrated effort on trying to get guys from that state. And, 
Yes, that's one of the reasons why this is a big commitment because this sort of gets the ball rolling a little more in the state of Georgia because that's two straight commitments as of the other day. Now, of course, the guy that we'll talk about here coming up that committed today uh, ended that streak of Georgia guys to commit. Um, But you did have Caleb Lavalli, who we talked about, and then it was followed up by Cost. So two guys from the state of Georgia, clearly more of a focus uh, in the state. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting is you talked about, you know, Carolina's kind of looking for some added depth at the corner position. And there's no doubt about that, because as we've talked about multiple times throughout the last couple of years, both here on these recruiting editions of the podcast, but mainly when we've talked about, you know, in season and everything that's going on uh, on the field with Tar Heel football, Carolina's had trouble year in and year out with keeping guys healthy at that cornerback position throughout the year. Guys just seem to, for some reason, get banged up. And it's not just one guy that always seems to go down. It's two, three, four. And Carolina's having to go to guys. I mean, there was a time, remember, last year where you were having a guy that, look, he played the position in high school. And, you know, I I thought... Either way, you kind of have mixed results with him. I don't think Don Chapman was great at safety. And when they kicked him out to corner, I don't really think he was all that great either. But you don't want to have to get to that point. You want to get to a point where... And we heard it again this off this spring when they were going through spring practice. You want to get to a point where you don't have to always cross-train guys. Look, it's not a bad thing to have guys that can play multiple positions, but the fact that that seems to be a staple of every single spring and sometimes even into the fall is trying to get guys that can play both safety and corner, you want to eventually get away from that. Now, in terms of the player that cost is... I think, you know, one of the things that stood out the most to me on film, and I just went on a little bit of a rant there, uh, was his versatility. I think he can kind of play multiple positions. That nickel position that you talked about, I think you're right. If you just look at his build, if you look at his skill set, it makes sense for him. Carolina's valuing that position a lot more because that was one of the things that Gene Chizik valued a lot his first time on campus. But he fits that role really, really well because he can cover like a corner. He's a guy that was put in, you know, a good amount of man situations on film and handled himself very, very well. He can cover a lot of ground really quickly. And I like the way that he goes up and high points the football. He played, you know, on the offensive side of the football, um, you know, each of the last couple of years. And this past year was a key contributor on the offensive side of the ball for Sandy Creek High School. So he's a guy that you know those those skills can sort of translate over when you play both sides of the football especially as much as he did last year and the other thing is he's a guy that also has a lot of special teams value so you talk about a guy that can get on the field early he can return punts. He did a tremendous job of that this past year. He averaged 17.8 yards per punt return, including three of which he took to the house. And then, of course, uh, he did kick return as well. Not as much success there, but still pretty solid, especially for a a guy at the high school level to average 20.5 yards per return and return it as much as he did. So there's a lot of value overall to him. 
But the thing that stood out the most to me, and the reason why it makes sense why he's a nickel corner, is you combine those coverage skills with the fact that he is a tremendous run defender. He tackles about as well as any corner that you're going to see on tape. He sheds guys on the outside pretty easily. So look, if he was to be able to play on the outside, that would be what Carolina really wants on the outside. One of the issues they've had the last couple of years, and even Tony Grimes, this has been one of his biggest issues, is that he cannot get off of blocks and make tackles in the run game. We saw Kyler McMichael struggle with it at times last year. Uh, That's not even really Storm Duck's strongest suit. So we'll see, you know, if that sort of allows him to find a role on the outside, but you have to be able to tackle. No doubt you have to be able to tackle if you play nickel corner. In in Gene Chizik's defense, you have to be able to help in run defense. And I think he showed that on film. You know, when you look, Zach, at... You know, this cornerback group now moving forward with cost in there, you know, in terms of the targets that Carolina has, what do you feel about the plans for Carolina going forward? Because it still feels like they need sort of that dominant outside corner guy, um, a guy that probably projects there more firmly. Like like I said, I think cost could get out there um, eventually, but I feel like they've got to find, you know, that guy on the outside, especially if for some reason you do see both Tony Grimes and Storm Duck bolt. We've seen true freshmen make impacts here before, so they might be looking for that next guy that can come in and make an immediate impact on the outside. Yes, yeah, certainly. And there's some guys that have been targeted and are you know scheduled to uh, some that have taken official visits, some that look to continue guys like uh, Cameron Fleming out of Richmond, Virginia, uh, Braden Marshall out of Florida, and then uh, Dale Miller now in Oklahoma. Not necessarily the tallest guys in terms of quarterbacks, but all have good length and good size uh, to play the quarterback position. Um, and then, of course, there's always the transfer portal. We saw it this past year when they went and got Lejean Cavazos from Ohio State brought him in uh, into the defensive back room. And he's a guy that can fit multiple positions. Um, So I think that they do still have numerous options to sort of get more of that outside corner uh, role and expectation. Um, And I still think it's, it's a unit that they're going to continue to try to build and develop like you mentioned uh, with the cornerbacks that they have uh, they have quite a bit that are going to be upperclassmen you know in the in these coming uh, this coming season and the season after storm dr tony grimes so you know we don't know how long those guys are going to be there in, in terms of their ability to play uh, corner on the outside it might be one year might be two but you know more likely than not one of these guys might uh, intend to leave early. Uh, that being said, we did see a um, or get a little bit of buzz about a redshirt freshman cornerback and Dante Balfour this spring. But uh, yeah, just to reiterate, like you mentioned, cornerback still remains a, a pretty big point of emphasis still remaining in this recruiting class. They've got about, like I mentioned, uh, two or three guys there at the high school level that they're going to keep uh, recruiting and keep going after in order to sort of fill that void. And and I think Fleming is probably the guy that you're looking at the most right now. Carolina 
I think made up a lot of ground on Virginia Tech with the official visit that they had. And, you know, it was frankly because they entered the race a little bit later for him than some of the other top competitors. But I think Carolina has a fighting chance here. As you mentioned, Marshall, a little bit smaller, 5'10", 170. Antonio Robinson is another guy who seems kind of early in his recruitment uh, as opposed to some of the other guys. Um, And it's, again, 5'10", 170. So smaller guys. And I think you're right. I think the transfer portal will probably be an area that will come into play here. And again, we have no idea what is going to happen with Storm Duck and with Tony Grimes. Tony Grimes, he's getting a lot of buzz this offseason about possibly being one of Carolina's next big guys to go in the draft. Uh, A lot of people look at him as probably one of the top five or six corners in college football this year. And I think that's great. And I think there's a lot of potential there. But there were times last year where you saw some of those numbers dip. Uh, If you look at his pro football focus rankings, Tony Grimes did not grade out great last year. So this is kind of a a bounce back year. um, And a lot of people think that that's what's going to happen. Um, You know, Joe Broback, who is a guy that you'll hear from, uh, we're going to put up an edition of the podcast later this week um, with him. You know, he's a guy that writes uh, college football preview magazine for Pro Football Network. He told me that he thinks that he's one of those guys that is going to bounce back. Uh, no doubt about it in his mind this year after a, a little bit of an inconsistent year last year. So that's what you're hoping for with him. And with Storm Duck, it's all about can he stay healthy? And that's far from a guarantee as we've seen so far. But it still feels like Carolina just needs to keep adding to that depth. And corner is a spot that I think is very similar to wide receiver on the offensive side of the ball. You can never have too many of these guys that you're bringing in because as we've seen, Carolina's done a really good job job year in and year out on the recruiting trail at wide receiver and they still in the spring we were hearing they were still a little bit shorthanded at wide receiver so this is an area that Carolina has to I think continue to address one area that Carolina does not have to continue to address after today's commitment is the tight end position when we come back we're going to tell you about Julian Randolph what he brings to the table for Carolina and uh, if we think that Carolina made the right decision in the end by prioritizing him over an in-state tight end target stick with us here on the heel tough blog podcast back right after this are you ready for the nba champs to be crowned join the finals action with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba new customers can make any five dollar nba bet and get 150 dollars in free bets instantly looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the nba finals with a DraftKings same game parlay, you can do just that. This NBA season, a customer placed a $5 same game parlay and won over $5,000. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total three-pointers made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payday. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey guys, welcome back in. Heel Tough Blog Podcast, Anthony Pagnata, Zach Hubbard here with you guys. Let's move on and talk about the commitment from today, Tuesday, June 14th. The Tar Heels land their fifth commitment of the 2023 class, and it is Julian Randolph, the three-star tight end out of Independence High School in Ashburn, Virginia. The Tar Heels uh, sort of started prioritizing this young man after he decommitted from Vanderbilt earlier on this spring, and they really turned the heat up. They got the official visit scheduled, but it's a little bit of a weird situation because this is a commitment from Julian Randolph that happens before he takes his official visit. And most people would think, okay, well, that means he's probably in that final week and he wanted to go ahead and take care of this. Not really. He actually committed on the Tuesday of the week that he was supposed to go and take his official visit. And he is going to take his official visit to Carolina starting on Friday. He will now take that official visit as a member of the Tar Heels 2023 class and will now take it as a commit, which could be an interesting turn of events for Carolina this weekend to have a guy that's already on board helping with a couple of other major targets that are going to be on campus. Of course, headlined by three-star in-state wide receiver Chris Culliver. So, you know, Zach, first of all, I got to tell you, this one kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Not the fact that he committed to Carolina. I feel like we felt like Carolina was probably in the driver's seat for him. In fact, he was one of the guys that I pointed out when we were on the podcast the last time talking about Caleb Lavalli's commitment to keep an eye on. But I did not think he would commit before he took his official visit, especially during the week before he takes his official visit. Certainly, yeah. It's, it's an odd situation that you don't usually see that often. Generally, um, you know, you'll see even even kids that know where they want to go, they'll wait till they actually make the visit. They'll come in over the weekend, you know, have the whole event of an official visit, uh, commit in front of the staff, and then usually announce it the week after. We've seen that here recently with some of the recent commitments of where they've, you know, gone on official visits, they make their decision, and they commit the Monday, Tuesday, right after. Uh, but he go ahead and uh, locks that commitment in now, which is a little interesting. Um, especially um, with a potential, um, you know, Miami visit in the uh, crosshairs there. But we did see, of course, that Miami got uh, another tight end. Actually, the Carolina was looking at uh, Jackson Carver today as well. So that sort of, you know, each school got one of the uh, tight end commitments that they want. When you look at Julian as a prospect, um, he is sort of this prototypical mismatch, excuse me, tight end listed at 6'5", 210. Uh, You don't really see a ton of blocking from his highlights, not that you're going to see a ton anyway in any sort of highlights that you look at, but he does seem to be more of the receiving tight end uh, that we've seen sort of come in vogue in college football in the past few years and that we've seen you know, a little bit start to become in vogue uh, with North Carolina in particular when they got a guy like Bryson Nesbitt that looks to have a bigger role this upcoming fall. So I think he sort of fits that similar mold, not saying he's the exact same player, but 
somewhat of that similar mold of a tall, sort of lanky receiving type that can inline block, can block in space, but can also flex out and be a receiver. Uh, like you mentioned, it is interesting that they went with a uh, you know an out of state prospect over an in state option in three star tight end Vince Bulliard, um, who is listed at six five two thirty, so a little bit bigger, but about the same size. But uh, generally, when you have these sort of recruitments, especially when it's down to two guys, um, sometimes it can merely be a first come first serve sort of situation where it's you know both guys are aware that uh, either one could make their decision so you know if your decision's made you gotta you gotta go ahead and you know fill out your spot before the other guy gets it and um i, I would not say that um, the door is 100 percent closed on them both joining the class i think it is most likely done and of course with the way that they use tight ends they don't really go into 12 personnel that much it's certainly not a situation where they need to take two by any means um, but I think that you know on the whole North Carolina got the guy that they wanted and, and added a, a piece that's really a good fit to what they want to do with the tight ends on offense. Yeah the first thing that I thought about him when I turned on his tape was first of all 6'5", 210 really good build um, definitely you know fits the mold of what Carolina has been looking for in their tight ends but yes I'm, I was right with you I thought a Immediately, this guy is extremely similar to Bryson Nesbitt. And I think this is kind of the type of tight end that Carolina, I think, wants moving forward. I mean, you look at what they've got in, in, in Bryson Nesbitt, and I feel like that's kind of what John Lilly is looking for in his tight ends. We'll have to see how that sort of materializes over the next you know couple of years or so, but they're looking for these guys that I think you know can play in line, but if they need to split them out, if they need to play them uh, you know, in the slot, even if they need to play them on the outside at times, they want them to be natural out there. Because, I mean, we've seen it before where you throw your tight end on the outside um, and, and just throw a lob ball to him, but you, you want a guy that can handle himself out there. And this is exactly what Randolph can do. If you throw on his film... Most of the highlights, especially from this year, are of him playing on the outside. He does not play as an inline tight end really at all. Um, and he really thrived on the outside. His speed isn't going to blow your mind. And look, it's 6'5", and, and it's it's going to be hard for him to really blow anybody away with that speed. And he's going to probably put on more weight, so he's not going to be that speed demon. But Carolina doesn't need those guys at tight end. And when you got a guy like Bryson Nesbitt already in there who has some pretty good athleticism to him, I think you'll probably be fine. But again, this is a guy that's, I, I'm not saying he's not athletic. He, he's still, clearly you have to be pretty athletic to play. Uh, where he did this past year. He's very physical after the catch. That's one of the things that you saw a couple of times is just him staying on his feet, fighting through tacklers. And, you know, again, when you're playing on the outside in high school against smaller corners, it might be a little bit easier than when you get to the college level. But I thought there were some really good elements to his game of a guy that likes the physicality and wants to sort of stay on his feet and fight for more yards on plays. The biggest concern, of course, is going to be 
the inline blocking. And, and, and Carolina's had those th- those things, you know, pop up the last few years when it's come to the tight ends that they brought in. The biggest question mark with Bryson Nesbitt was how would he be as a blocker? And I think that you've got to give credit, and I know a lot of people will sort of that they will definitely take umbrage to this Tim Brewster originally but then I think you got to give a lot of credit to John Lilly who we've seen grow some of these guys as blockers uh Kamari Morales was a guy that coming out of high school I mean look he he was I think a better blocker than the other two guys that I'm going to mention here but still wasn't great Bryson Nesbitt was extremely raw we told you about that multiple times and look he was a guy that he was raw not only because he was a guy that was focused on as basically a wide receiver, you know, a tight end playing wide receiver at his high school. He was also a guy that had only played one year of high school football entering his, you know, his senior season. So, uh, and, and then you got John Copenhaver, another guy that was thin, was looked at as one of those receiving tight ends first, and he developed and he showed some signs late last year and looked really good in the spring game this year and looks like he's primed for a bigger role. So I think this is the right system to develop a guy like this. But I think this is kind of like the other guys that Carolina has brought in. And and, and Nesbitt, I think, is the one exception just because of the raw athleticism. But this is a guy that I think might take a little bit of time. He's going to have to put on some more weight, and he's going to have to develop himself as that blocker. But I think there's definitely a role for him moving forward. And again, yeah, you know, you you touched on it a little bit there, and, and I'd like to, you know, sort of hear your opinion. I got a firsthand look at the guy that other that that Carolina was also looking at in this class in Vance Bulliard. I saw him out at the Rivals camp back in March. Um, and this is a very, very solid tight end, a well put together guy, um, and a guy that I think, you know, Carolina probably took a serious look at. We're not talking about, you know, what actually happened with the recruitment because I don't know what happened. It doesn't seem Carolina is not hosting him for an official visit. They weren't even before this commitment or even before Randolph set his uh, official visit to campus. Um, it looks like something happened here where either Carolina backed off or Bowyer just went in a different direction. But I think the ultimate question, Zach, is is do you think that Carolina is getting the better of the two tight ends here in Randolph? I'd probably say so, at least at this point, just based on what I've seen in terms of their uh, receiving options. I don't think either guy is really a speedster, like you mentioned. Uh, It's really just a question of who is the best at um, getting into space, angling themselves into space, um, being flexible, um, having quickness, not necessarily speed, but quickness in open space, and just being a better fit overall for the offense. Um, I, I think that is, at least right now, Julian Randolph, not to speak to how either guy, you know, can uh, develop over time, but just a little bit more of that flexibility, I, I think that he has as a receiver sort of gives him a slight nod there. Um, and, and I think it's sort of like I mentioned that that's what they're looking for uh, more so. They want to have guys that are um, weapons more so than just blockers uh, at the tight end position. They want to have, you know, basically every 
person on the field that is not an offensive lineman in that offense. They want them to be a weapon to do multiple things. Obviously, uh, with Sam Howell in the past few years, they, they've you know incorporated running uh, the football with the quarterback more and more. They want the wide receivers to be threats, not only you know in the pass game, but also on uh, screens, things of that nature. And then running backs, they want to you know have them run and pass to them as well. So in, in any given play, they want to have basically every wide receiver, the tight end, and the running back all be a potential threat to the defense and really stress them that way. Um, so I, I think that's what Julian Randolph offers a little bit more of is the ability to stress the defense in a way that causes them to spread out and just creates bigger gaps, bigger holes for this offense that, uh, you know, the mantra has been thus far speed in space, uh, you know, go find grass. Well, you know, getting Julian Randolph, that's how you do that. I I agree with you. I think that Carolina is probably getting the better I will say it. I think Carolina is getting the better guy for them. We've seen it over the last couple of years. They want these developmental guys, these guys that they can add weight to and sort of try to mold into what they want at the tight end position, really what they need at the tight end position because you want to have guys that you know can sort of do some different things than the other guys that they're playing with. And we've seen more two tight end sets. We were told by Mac Brown, that we're going to see more of that this year, especially with you know the limitations that they have at wide receiver and the amount of talent that they also have at the tight end position. So I think this is kind of what they're looking for. And when you talk about a guy that finds grass, this is exactly what Randolph can do. One of the things that I think the area where he has the edge here uh, and over Bulliard, and I think it means a lot when it comes to what you were just talking about right there is route running. He is a guy that since he has played so much on the outside, he's definitely a, a lot looser in the hips. He looks more natural and he can do more things to sort of free himself up. And that's what Carolina wants. You're right. They need more of those safety valves. And look, you know, that that was something that, you know, we said for three years with Sam Howell here that those guys needed to emerge. And you saw it at times last year with Kamari Morales, but it was never really consistent. They need that moving forward, especially right now with so much uncertainty outside of Josh Downs. And, you know, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt at this point to Antoine Green because of how he finished the season. But outside of that, there's not really a whole lot that's known about this wide receiving core. So they need those tight ends to step up and play big roles on this team. And I think that'll be something that we'll see moving forward if is once that aspect of the offense gets involved, you're not going to want to see that aspect of the offense leave. So a guy like Randolph, I think he just fits what John Lilly wants a little bit better than Bulliard. I think Bulliard's very talented. I think Bulliard's a guy that could potentially have come in and made an earlier impact, but I don't think that's what Carolina needs. It doesn't look like anybody is really going anywhere early. A lot of these guys are going to be staying to play out the majority of their careers unless somebody just breaks onto the scene and has an Eric Ebron type year. So I think Carolina's okay with the fact that they're going to have 
a guy that may take a little bit more time to develop, but ultimately probably has the higher upside. I'll get you out of here with just a few notes. Uh, a couple of other guys, you know, other guys making decisions around their recruitments. Probably the biggest is 2023 four-star in-state edge rusher Jabron Harvey. He places the Tar Heels inside his top five, and it feels like it's getting closer and closer to a commitment for him. Carolina, uh, the team that hosted him back on June 3rd, is the team that a lot of people, I think, at this point kind of feel like is the leader. He you know, is really at the back end of his official visits. He has just an official visit to Louisville left to take because he's already visited Carolina, Oklahoma, who was in his top five, and South Carolina have also already received their official visits. And Wake Forest, they don't have an official visit scheduled and I don't know if there really is a push to get one scheduled with them, but it still feels like Carolina right now is in the driver's seat for this in-state defensive end. So that's one of the, the, the positions where Carolina has recruited really, really well here in this class so far. They're in really good standing with a lot of guys there. They haven't landed anybody there just yet. They've got, of course, the defensive line commit and Joel Starlings, but he's going to project more inside. I think the edge position, you're going to see one of these guys here soon pop. I don't know who it's going to be. I think Harvey could be a pretty safe bet, especially if he doesn't really see anything great at Louisville and feels like he wants to make that move. But Carolina feels like they are in a really strong spot with uh, a multitude of edge rushers in this class. You go down to the offensive line. First of all, uh, you had three-star interior offensive lineman Paul Mabinga, uh, who you know was on campus for an official visit, um, you know a couple of weeks ago. Carolina uh, felt like they, they did some really good things with them, and then Carolina was included in his top five, along with LSU, Michigan, South Carolina, and Texas A&M. Texas A&M and LSU will get the final cracks at him before the end of the month, and then you would expect with him having taken official visits to every one of his final five that he will then make a decision sometime soon. And the thing about this recruitment, it was very strange because there was a time where it looked like Carolina was out of the running for him. It was, you know, one way or another, Carolina had either kind of moved on and focused on other guys or Mabinga had said, look, I'm kind of focusing on other schools, but it feels like the Tar Heels are kind of solidly back in this. I don't think they're in the driver's seat right now. I'm not sure there really is that team at the moment, but I think that Carolina has, has a fighter's chance in this recruitment, and it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Meanwhile, three-star offensive tackle Kobe Keenum out of the state of Alabama, he announced that he will be setting his he will be taking his official visit to campus on the final week of June. So he joins that extremely packed group of guys that will be visiting. Um, that's one of the guys that there's a lot of guys that Carolina really that that weekend feels like it's kind of just show them what they want to see and there will be a commitment either that weekend or shortly thereafter. Carolina is in control of a lot of those guys that will be on campus that weekend. But 
With Keenum, it feels a little bit different. You have Kentucky, you have Louisville, two teams that have been in the race for him for a while, and two teams that I think right now most people feel like are the top two for him. But then Carolina's hanging around there. He took the unofficial visit um, during you know the first week of June, really liked what he saw, and then that led to him setting his official visit. So Carolina's got an opportunity here, and having all those other guys could definitely help out. Uh, but it's it's one that you sort of feel a little bit more uneasy about than some of the other guys that will be on campus that weekend. Another guy that will be there with them and one that Carolina probably feels a little bit better about is Virginia three-star linebacker Amari Campbell. Uh, he announced that he will visit on that weekend as well. Officially, that was one that I, was rumored uh, he would be one of the guys, and he confirmed that earlier this week. So Carolina Carolina just keep they just keep adding more and more names to that final weekend of June, which will be their big recruiting weekend. Uh, pretty much any of the big name targets in the state of North Carolina that the Tar Heels are pursuing hard, uh, as well as a bunch of guys from outside of the state are going to be here, and we'll of course have you covered on that and everything else going on on the recruiting trail, including this week's official visits and much, much more on HeelToughBlog.com. Make sure you head over to the website and check it out there. Uh, We've got the article up there right now about Julian Randolph, uh, who we just talked about. You guys can go and check that out. Um, We tell you you what to expect from him, a little bit more of an in-depth look at uh, what he brings so far, what he's done in his college career, all that kind of stuff. Same thing up there for Caleb Costa. You can go back. That was on Saturday. So make sure you go back and check out both of those articles. We also have the weekly weekly storylines article up there, which will go a little more in depth on some of those things I just talked about with you there in terms of recruiting updates. But it also has a couple of other tidbits in there that you want to check out, including a little bit of a tidbit on Julius Peppers being back on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot for the fourth straight season. This has to be the year that he makes it into the College Football Hall of Fame, you would feel like, uh, especially with the resume that he has. Um, So we tell you about all that stuff on the weekly storylines. Make sure you check that out. And you can check it all out on Facebook. That's where the articles are always posted. Make sure you like that Facebook page and then head over to the Twitter side of things at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter for the official page. And you can check out our personal pages at HTB Anthony, at HackZubber2, and at HTB underscore Josh. That's where you can check out all of the content that we put up there, all of uh, you know the other updates that we have whenever we quote tweet uh, some of the guys, whenever they make announcements on social media, all that great stuff. You can find it on those social media channels. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your your podcast. You can also check out the waveform editions of the podcast on that Facebook page as well as on the Twitter pages. I make sure to tweet those out from my account. Same thing with Josh whenever those come out. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Want to thank Zach for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. 
Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.